I want you to think about the provision of God. The provision of God. With wisdom and with love, God cares for and directs all things in this universe. That is a doctrine, that is a sound, foundational teaching that we believe in. About his sovereign counsel. We believe that based upon what we read We, we read in this Bible. We believe that uh, he provides. Now do you know do you know where that comes from? Him providing. Let me Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Well, good day to everyone. I want to welcome you. I'm super excited that you're here. I'm super excited that you have made a decision to tune in today and to uh, study God's Word. Um, and so I just, you know, I want to welcome you. Uh, I'm, I'm glad, truly glad that you have made this decision to study along with us. And, uh, you know, I do hope since the last time we've met, you've had a, a good week. Uh, but regardless of whether you've had a good week or not, I can assure you, you are in the right place to get your next week started off on the right foot by under by being under the Word of God. And so, uh, again, I just want to welcome you. I hope you uh, can open up your Bibles and follow along with us today. If you're going to take notes, there's a couple of things that we'll talk about. Um, so if you do, if you don't mind, go ahead and open up your Bibles to James chapter 2. Um, and, you know, over the past couple of weeks, we've kind of been talking about, uh, uh, well, we've, of course, been talking about James, but it's been more or less an, an introductory to James, right? If you recall, we haven't even got past verse 8, uh, you know, the past couple of weeks as we've been studying James. And, you know, so we've talked about who is writing and who he is writing to and why those two details are, are rather important, uh, and, and how that helps us understand the book of James as a whole. You know, it all comes back. Uh, it all comes back to faith. And so we, we kind of kicked off the study of James um, with a very difficult concept, a very difficult concept, probably one of the most, most difficult concepts in the Christian faith. Uh, and, you know, it, it's all summarized in just two verses. James 1.1 1, 1, uh, says, James, a servant of God. Right? And then in verse 2, he says, Consider it joy, my brothers, when you face trials. When you face trials, right? Uh, the fact that, you, you know, the, the, the fact that we are servants of God, but, but we still go through trials and we're called to have joy in the middle of those times, you know? So, so we talked about that. You know, that's a very difficult concept for us to wrap our heads around. And, but, you know, it all comes back to faith. It's all going to kind of wind back to faith and come full circle. Um, and so it's all about our belief. It's all about our trust is what James is ultimately saying. No, it's all about an inward heart relationship with God. And that provides to us, when we get that inward heart relationship with God right, that's going to provide to us a springboard for our faith, a springboard for an outward expression right but we first have to get it right in here we first have to get it right inside before others can see our faith and you know one thing i love about james is that james writes 
about faith. James does not write about religion. James writes about faith. And when I think about faith uh, springing forward from the heart, you know, it's put on display for others to see. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But we're going to talk about it uh, in, in, we're going to kind of take a different avenue, a different approach to it. Uh, of putting our faith on display. You know, a lot of times we think putting our faith on display should be uh, in, in public, right? Uh, uh, but but I want us to kind of take a different avenue. And we're going to talk about something that I don't think is talked about often enough. You know, we talk about different sins. We talk about sin all the time. You know, you think about some of the most prominent sins. You think about the, the, the Ten Commandments, right? Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, right? Don't commit this, don't commit that, right? All these things are sins. But today we're going to focus on a sin that's you may not think necessarily was a sin. And that's showing favoritism, showing partiality, right? Our faith should lead us to see people the way God sees people. And if our faith is right, if our faith is right, I believe we will see Christ shining in us. People will see Christ shining in us no matter the race, no matter the color, no matter the economic status. If our faith is right, we see people as Jesus sees them and they see us as Jesus is living inside of us. But we have to get it right. We have to get it right. You know, let's 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 just go ahead and uh, address the elephant in the room. Let's address it for what it is. In 2022, we still deal with a problem called racism. We still deal with a problem called prejudice. We still deal with a problem. It's very prevalent today in our culture. Here in our culture, we still deal with this problem. You know, I want you to take take a step back and think from a medicine perspective. Think about the advan advancements we have made in the healthcare industries. All the different technologies, right? Right. Think about technologies. Think about that little device you're listening to on this. What all can you do on that thing? Could you have done that 20 years ago? Could you have done that 10 years ago? You likely couldn't even done it five years ago, right? We have made so many awesome and extraordinary and, and uh, excellent advances in medicine and in technology, but we're we're still stuck in the same cycle in human relations. We've made no advancements in human relationships. We claim people are equal, but, but because they look different, because they smell different, because they act different, because they live different, because they're Republican or because they're Democrat, we treat them differently. We need to see others the way God sees them. And we need help recognizing when we're not doing that. Now we're going to talk about that. We've got to do, you know, it, 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 a lot of times it's not our place to, to, to judge others, right? And we're, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that. But we need to be able to see people 
No matter the race, no matter the color, no matter the wealth, no matter the... We need to see people the way God sees them. And so as you look at James chapter 2, you may have a header uh, in your Bible. Uh, mine, for example, says a sin of partiality. You may see a header, something like uh, forbidden favoritism or the sin of favoritism. But I want to read to you James chapter 2. I'll start in verse 1 and we'll go through verse 4. And James says, my brothers. So, of course, we know he's talking to believers. He says, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Verse 2, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and you say, Sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over there or you sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now I want you to look back at verse 1. Again, I want you to think about relationships and uh, how we treat others. What should a, if you look at verse 1, again, if you're taking notes, I'd, I'd write this down, uh, but I want you to look at your Bible. According to verse 1, what should we as a believer not do? He says, James says, show no partiality, no favorites, no favoritism. Do not show favoritism. You know, that is such a simple message. Do not show favoritism. As a matter of fact, my personal opinion, again, this is me talking. It's almost childish. Seriously, James, you're just going to tell me to not show uh, favoritism you tell me not to play favorites where's the sin in that what's wrong with I what's wrong with me playing favorites what's wrong with me showing favoritism or being partial to one person as opposed to the other what's wrong with that I, you know it, it, it's almost childish you know that, that it's almost nitpicky if you will that's kind of how I look at it and so James starts to paint this picture he needs to make it clear for people like me who thinks, it, you know, if favoritism, you know, it, it, what's wrong with it? Why is favoritism so bad? He needs to, he needs to make it clear. And, and let me just say, favoritism, what it's talking about here, it is exactly that. Don't get confused. Don't think it's something else. Don't think there's some deep theological meaning. Favoritism is favoritism. That's what we're talking about. Playing favorites, showing favorites, right? That's what we're talking about and so he begins to paint this picture of you know and he describes he builds this description of a rich man and a poor man now according to verse 3 in a typical situation matter of the fact is we would show special attention we would show favoritism to the rich man Right? What does verse 3 say? And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, you sit here in a good place. While you say to the poor, you sit over there or you stand at my feet. Right? We need to understand, you know, we need to understand that. Don't you find it interesting, one, that James is writing to believers? He's telling this to believers. And two, he's got to tell them, he feels a need to tell them uh, to address the problem of discrimination. Why would James have to address the sin of favoritism? Why would James have to address the, the, the struggle with discrimination? 
in a body of believers. Generally speaking, you know, I want you to think about ways we show favoritism in 2022. As humans, as humans, I'll talk a little bit on this a little bit later, but as humans, we tend to form judgments based upon what? Based upon quite literally what we see about that person. We form our own judgments based upon what we see about that person. Now, James is going to say later on, we're not going to get to it today, but James says later on, showing favoritism is a sin. It goes against God's call to love your neighbor. right? We, we will talk the talk. I'll tell you what, we're really good at talking the talk, but we do not know how to walk the walk. We do not know how to walk the walk. There's five ways. There's five ways that we show favoritism in 2022. I want you to think about these. I'm not going to describe them. I'm just going to state them because I want you to write these down and I want you to think about them. Here's how we show favoritism. Here's how we play favorites. Here's how we show partiality in 2022. We choose rich over poor. We choose similar over different. We choose powerful over vulnerable. We choose insiders over outsiders. We choose race, gender, color over another. Now, I'm not going to describe those to you, but I want you to think about that. I want you to chew on those ways we show favoritism in 2022. Now, if you look at verse 2, he says, Suppose a man comes into your meeting. Okay, so suppose a man comes to your church, because he's talking to believers. Suppose a man comes into your Sunday school class. Suppose a man comes into your, your, your devotion. Right? We have two people on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum here. We can distinctly tell just by looking at them the differences, right? How does how does James? I want you to look at it, right? How does James describe the rich man? He's got a gold ring, likely indicating some sort of authority. Could be a signet ring of some sort that was used to, you know, uh, make his seal on something. He's wearing fine clothes. Right? Then you have the poor man. What he was wearing. What the poor man was wearing brought just as much attention to him as it did the rich man. Everything was, was filthy. Everything was soiled. It is an obvious and it is a clear distinction between the rich man and the poor man. And again, we have seen situations like this before. Have we not? I want you to think about it. You have seen situations like this before. Where in the same setting, in the same room, you have seen someone who is who would match the description of this rich man and someone who would match the description of this poor man. You have seen that, I'm sure, at some point in your life. Now, God shows no partiality. So we don't, right? It's not our place to make those distinctions. Uh, I believe we believe that. I believe we understand that. I believe we uh, can live that way. But I want you to remember this. If we lose perspective, if we get out of touch 
uh, with the truth. If we begin to respond uh, how everyone else does, when we do that, this whole idea, this whole concept of favoritism that James was talking about, uh, it, it, it leads to a lack of faith, right? It all goes back to verse 1, if James 1. That we spent a whole class on James, a servant to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Now, why were they dispersed? Likely due to being a result of persecution. Right? I mean, this was a church in the first century. Were they dealing with persecution? Absolutely. The human tendency, even in the early church, was to treat the wealthy people better than the poor people. Why? Think about that. Why would we treat the wealthy people better than the poor people when we're going through a trial? Because of what they can do for us. Right? We do the same thing 2,000 years later. We do the exact same thing. When things get tough, when things get rough, as a whole, the human tendency would be to treat the rich and the powerful well. So that they would, in turn, hopefully, what? Treat us well. Here's a sin in that, that James, this is what makes that a sin. Here's what why showing favoritism is a sin. Here's why showing partiality is a sin. Because it's a lack of faith for the God who can provide for you. It's, it's a lack of faith. We're, so we're commanded in chapter 2, verse 1, to do the complete opposite of that. So the question then becomes, the question I have, all right, if it's a lack of faith, then is God capable? When things get tough, is God capable? When things get rough, is God capable? When things get hard, is God capable? When that trial happens, as we know it's going to happen according to verse chapter 1, verse 2, is God capable? Is He capable? You answer that question for yourself. I'll just read you some scripture. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Is God capable? Matthew 6, 33. We all know this one. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to unto you. How about John 10.10 10, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. I want you to think about you know, is God capable? I want you to think about the provision of God. The provision of God. With wisdom and with love, God cares for and directs all things in this universe. That is a doctrine, that is a sound, foundational teaching that we believe in. About his sovereign counsel. We believe that based upon what we read We, we read in this Bible. We believe that uh, he provides. Now do you, know, do you know where that comes from? Him providing. Let me... Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. 
Do you know where that comes from? How about Genesis chapter 22? Why don't you go ahead and turn over to Genesis chapter 22. Let's let's address the question if God's capable or not. Let's address that question right now. If you have that question right now, I'm going to answer that for you. I'm going to answer that question for you. Is God capable? Now, if you look over at Genesis chapter 22, we of course know we have the story of Abraham and Isaac. I want you to remember that story as a near the place of God. As a near the place God told them, Isaac starts asking questions in verse 7. In verse 7. He says, where is the lamb? Where is the lamb, Isaac says. And Abraham said what in verse 8? God will provide. God will provide. Abraham believed that. Abraham has not seen God provide the lamb yet. But Abraham believes with great faith, not a lack of faith, but with great faith, that God will provide. If you look at verse 10, it says, Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Verse 13, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Verse 14, So Abraham called the name of the place, what? Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord... It shall be provided. Now let me give you a little bit more to that story. On the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Have you ever heard of a hill called Mount Calvary? Where God, according to Romans 8.32, did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Abraham said, God will provide the lamb. John the Baptist said in John 1.29, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So here is a prime example of God's provision for your life, for the life of your friends, for the life of your family, for the life of the entire world and their salvation. This is God showing out in Genesis 22, chapter 22, God showing out his plan for salvation for you. With wisdom and with love, God cares for and directs all things in this universe. The question is God capable? You better believe it. You better believe he's capable. So James insists that these people who he's writing to, they're showing a lack of faith. They're showing a lack of faith. They're showing favoritism. They're, they're, they're in the middle of this trial, this trial against persecution. They've been dispersed. They're dealing with persecution. They're playing favorites. If I treat the wealthy good, they'll treat me good. And James, in the form of a few questions in verse 4, he states that that, that, that kind of favoritism is sinful. Verse 4. 
Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So James uses this concept of favoritism towards the wealthy to show a lack of faith. A lack of faith that God can provide. You know, last week we talked a little bit uh, in class. It's not so much that we doubt the existence of God. But we doubt His faithfulness to pull us through the trials. Yes, James is writing to believers, but they doubt His faithfulness. So what do they do? They play favorites and, and they turn to the world to provide for them. They turn to the world to meet their needs. They turn to the... They turn to something else to meet their needs other than God. And so if we discriminate, if we show favoritism based upon wealth, based upon race, based upon color, then you don't believe, if you do that, you don't believe that God has an equal love for all of His children in Christ. You have therefore made yourself the judge. You have therefore are the one distinguishing who is worthy and who should be honored. So this discrimination that these people are showing, it reveals their truly evil thoughts. James reiterates this and actually uh, talks a little bit more in this in chapter 4. If you want to go over to chapter 4, beginning in verse 11, he says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks evil against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and the judges of the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Now why is that important? Why is that Important. James is reading to a, or writing, excuse me, to a body of believers. This body of believers is likely of Jewish descent. Likely of Jewish descent. They had high respect, they had high regard for the law, the Old Testament. So, what does the Old Testament say about all of this. Leviticus chapter 19, beginning in verse 16. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. Verse 18, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. What's the second? Second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. James is making a, a, a statement here that we're not in a position to judge. Right? Chapter 4, verse 12. We're not in a position to judge. It's not our jobs. Now, I want you to think, what are the danger, what is the danger of making judgments, of judging others? We know it's sinful because of, you know, the Bible says so. If you think about that, is judging always about someone's appearance? 
Mm, not necessarily. How else do we judge people? Certainly by their appearance. By their behavior. How they respond. How they react. How they act. Right. We have a mental list uh, that uh, if they check off every box, we like them. If not, we don't like them. Right. And so many of us feel the need. Feel the 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 need here. Feel that our duty is to uh, critique others. What does Jesus? say about this. I want to go over to Matthew chapter 7 if you want to follow along. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. Verse 2. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now what does that mean? What comes to mind when you think about that? The standard you set is a standard that will be used on you. I want you to think about all the times we judge others and we apply a different standard for ourselves. Well, mine wasn't that bad. What I did wasn't that bad. It wasn't, you know, they did this. I only did this. Jesus says in verse 3, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. Jesus tells it like it is, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Whatever is in our hearts, whatever is, uh, you know, whether it's in our hearts, whether it's in our minds, we all have planks we need to focus on. So you tell me how arrogant it is to believe that we are holy enough, that we are righteous enough in the eyes of God to take His position and judge others. Now in the time of Jesus, uh, that's how a lot of Pharisees acted. Not all of them. Let's understand that. Not all of them. But a lot of them acted that way. Right? They had religion. They didn't have faith. And so I want you to think, what does a modern day Pharisee look like? 2022, what does a modern day Pharisee look like? They pray daily. They gave generously. They avoid greed, avoid lust, avoid temptation. They're at church when the doors are open. This is precisely the person we would put up on a pedestal and say, here's what the model Christian looks like. It seems like they got it all together. But even the religious man can become judgmental. He can still look at someone else in judging. On the other hand, we have the tax collector who was greedy and who was selfish and who was getting rich off of everyone else. You see this comparison. Jesus makes this comparison in Luke chapter 18. Pharisee and the tax collector. But the difference here is that the tax collector beats his chest says, God have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. Who does Jesus accept? The Pharisee who has became proud because he is faithful, because he has been good. And now because of that, he begins to judge others and say they don't measure up. 
to my standard. But the tax collector says, God have mercy, I'm a sinner. How did we get here? How did we get to this point? It all started with a lack of faith. A lack of faith that God will provide leads to being leads to choosing rich over poor. A lack of faith that God will provide leads to similar over, over different, leads to powerful over vulnerable, leads to insiders over outsiders, leads to race, gender, and color over another race, another gender, and another color. A lack of faith causes leads to favoritism. A lack of faith leads to pride. A lack of faith causes us to lose perspective of the mission which is to help the uncommitted become committed. I hope you see the danger. When we are trusting in God's provision, our faith is put on display for everyone else to see. Your faith may be exactly what someone needs to see Jesus. We should be expecting His provision just like Abraham. Expect it. Expect it. What if we had this, what if we had this uh, uh, a proactive mindset instead of this reactive mindset? What if we were to expect God's provision to see us through the problem? What if we were to expect God to pull us through the, the, the pandemic? See, we had, a, we had a lot to learn from the pandemic. A lot of people looked at us and said, looked at us Christians and said, man, they're just like the rest of us. They don't know how this is going to end up. They don't, know, they don't know what they're doing next. What if we were so faithful during then? What if? What if? We have to get it first. We have to get it right first in here. We have to get it right first. It's not our jobs to judge others, to make ourselves judges of other sin. It's, it's hypocrisy. So when James says in chapter 2, verse 4, with evil thoughts, there is no doubt whatsoever as to the negative worldly nature involved with this process of discrimination, this process of, uh, 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 of, of racism and prejudice. The, the sin of favoritism comes by focusing on the wrong things, comes by focusing on the things that have no eternal value I'll leave you with this question until next week I want you to think about someone I want you to think about someone who you thought would be least likely to be used by God example in the Bible Gideon weakest in his family, weakest clan. Right? Yet God still used him. Who's a Gideon who you can think of? 
I want you to think about that person. I want you to pray for that person this week. I want you to think about how God has used them. I want you to dwell on that. I want you to chew on that. We'll come back next week. I appreciate you tuning in and I love each and every one of you and I thank you for tuning in. Allow me to pray over you before you leave. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be here uh, and to just study your word. God, I just I pray right now over the listener. Every detail of their life, every aspect of their life, God, you know what they need. You know what they're struggling with. Father, and I pray that you meet those needs in the only way that you can meet those needs. Father, I pray that you take this uh, this gospel, this gospel message, Father, to the ears that need to hear it the most. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.